0: Dwight D. Eisenhower once said, What counts is not necessarily the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog. This is Save vs. Rant. Welcome to Save vs. Rant, the Everyman Gaming Podcast. I'm John. And I'm Jeremy. And today we are talking about miniatures, those fun little plastic, sometimes pewter things that come in board games and that we use for RPGs.
1: Why are we talking about miniatures in this a podcast with no visual medium directly involved it's because miniatures are an integral part of tabletop gaming as a hobby and there's a lot to discuss there and also they're fun the first thing we wanted to talk about was miniatures as a hobby and that kind of dates back to model railroading which started in like the
0: 1840s or thereabouts there's a lot of conventions in model railroading that are used in miniatures all across the spectrum, the different scales are used. I mean, not one quarter scale, but you know, I have seen large games of chess and whatnot. But a lot of times, one eighth and one sixteenth scale are used in miniatures and modeling terrain, and the way that that's modeled has been done for over a century in model railroads, and it's still used today in wargaming. There are a number of companies that provide paints, brushes, and tutorials for painting your miniatures. Reaper has a line of paints, brushes, and a wonderful line of miniatures. Don't
1: forget about Games Workshop, of course. Games Workshop is most well-known for the Warhammer lines, be they Warhammer Historical, Warhammer Fantasy, Warhammer 40K, Warhammer Age of Weirdness... I mean, Age of Sigmar and all of the other various Warhammer offerings. But with that, they have entire hobby lines of materials, equipment, stuff to do things like making modifications to miniatures, painting miniatures, of course, and producing terrain for these games. All of these are necessary parts of the Warhammer hobby, which is primarily
0: a miniatures hobby, even though it is, of course, a war game. Back in the day, I used to play Warhammer Fantasy. I played Lizardmen, and in the very middle of the book, they had a full color painting guide for all of the different ways that you could paint your different regiments, and what this color on these Lizardmen would mean, what this model would need to look like to go with these smaller models, and it was in-depth, even though it didn't have anything to do with the actual rules of the game. I've heard it said that Warhammer is a game
1: where a bunch of people get together to show off all of these miniatures that they've constructed and painted, and then they roll dice to decide what order they put them back in the box in. And to some degree, that's true. The people I've met who've been really fanatical about Warhammer, most of them are big on the miniatures hobby. Yeah, they know the rules, they know what they want to deploy and why their units are strong and all of that, but the big part of it is the hobby for them. I've seen some amazing conversions. uh, One of my old friends uh, had a husband who was very into Warhammer, and he had these incredible displays in his house that were both functional as game parts, but also just incredible dioramas on their own. He played Necrons primarily, and Warhammer 40k, which are like space glitches. And there was one where he had one like leaping out of a portal, and he had cut the miniature in half and fixed it to the portal so that it was like leaping out of this carefully painted portal. And it just had this incredible look to it. And I can't imagine the amount of time and effort he put into that, especially considering that, you know, when I paint miniatures, it's, it's a whole ordeal. It's a whole thing, you know, but, uh, while we could go on and on about the miniature hobby, what we really wanted to talk about is miniatures in tabletop games.
0: Before we move on, I do want to help people out here a little bit. I, I do like to think of Save vs. Rant as a bit of an informative show. If you do want to learn more about painting miniatures, there are a number of really good YouTube channels that will teach you how to paint. One of my favorite ones is Painter's Guild from Geek & Sundry, where the host is a complete novice. At the very beginning, he shows that he painted one miniature before. he. Used Sharpies to color it in. And throughout the series, he gets better and better. He's still an amateur, he still isn't doing museum quality work, but he's putting out better and better results as the series goes on. Give it a watch if you really want to learn how to paint more.
1: And, of course, all the major companies like Reaper, Games Workshop, Army Painter, all of those have their own lines of instructional videos, and some of those you can find at least in sample form for free on YouTube. Some of them you have to pay for, but in a lot of cases, it's because you're getting some really incredible instruction from some really incredible instructors. So, having said that, now on to the tabletop games aspect of it. So... Let's talk about
0: miniatures in tabletop board games. I love board games. People who come over to my house are often a combination of awed and slightly pitying me with when they see the amount of board games that I have on my shelves. I've seen so many board games that get marketed entirely on the minis in the board game. A number of... Kickstarter board games are just mostly boxes of minis with kind of a bad board game in there. I'm thinking of Conan the Barbarian, the board game, Rising Sun, Dark Souls, the board game. I have an entire shelf devoted to all sorts of different minis because I wanted these minis and I thought that they'd be cool and it'd be fun to fight against them. And the minis are cool and... The game... Kind of sucks, honestly. It drags on.
1: It really does. It's got some good elements, but in general, it's such a long play and it's kind of a slog, to be honest. But miniatures are gorgeous and really deserve to be display pieces. It's one of the more impressive miniatures games out there. Rising Sun, the same way. It's been panned for its fairly lackluster rules, but the miniatures are absolutely incredible. And then, you know, some games are really all about the miniatures. Uh, Kingdom Death Monster, for example, is a game that marketed itself almost exclusively on the overwhelmingly incredible nature of its macabre miniatures.
0: We did two full episodes at the end of last season going on and on and on about Kingdom Death Monster. If you want to hear us go on for about an hour total, just go to those episodes. This episode will be here when you get back. But board games generally, when they have miniatures, come in two categories— there's the large number of small minis. Those are like your, your war games like Risk or basically the whole zombie genre. And then they have the small number of highly detailed minis. Things like Mansions of Madness, Super Dungeon Explorer, and Blood Rage by Simon Games, Games. Uh, cool mini or not games. Yeah, and they're a company
1: that is notable for their incredible sculpts and their fantastic miniatures and they've got some great galleries that you can take a look at. Every time I've gone to Gen Con, I've always found myself kind of glued to their booth for at least an hour anytime I go past it because it just has such awesome looking stuff. I'm very fond of that small number of really detailed miniatures look. One of my gaming confessions is I have Super Dungeon Explorer. I've never actually played it. I'm still working on painting all the miniatures in it because that was the primary reason I wanted it was these cool little chibi adventurer
0: miniatures, and I just thought it was such a great look. Board games have minis in them of all different varieties. Generally, when we talk about miniatures, we're talking about these sculpted plastic miniatures, but there are some games that just have uh, cardboard stand-ups or even meeple. Meeple are just these little carved wooden people that kind of count as miniatures i mean we really don't count them but
1: i you know honestly meeples are people too okay meeples are minis and meeple come in a number of different varieties too you can find adventurer meeples now you can find like elephant shaped meeple and house shaped meeple and bread and food and meeple shaped like all of the resources and settlers of Catan. i mean all of these are different meeple
0: and Um... meeple are people too my friend (laughs) Some of my favorite Meeple that I've seen are actually printed Meeple. They're the standard human cutout, but then they have either a sticker or a screen printing on the front of them to just give them a face and give them clothing, to give them a little bit more personality than just the standard painted Meeple. Oh yeah, I saw a Luchador game that had a Lucha Meeple that were just the glue-on
1: stickers, if I recall correctly. Oh, what game was that? I'm I'm gonna have to look that up later, but that's a great example. Of uh, the sort of thing that you can do with Meeple to make them into these higher quality, more evocative, more expressive minis.
0: Board gaming has had miniatures for for their pieces for a long, long time. Uh, probably the oldest example of miniatures in gaming comes from wargaming uh, and chess. All of the different chess variants have different miniatures to represent the different pieces. And you can find some incredibly expensive, incredibly detailed uh, pieces for custom chess sets. You can get, like, Civil War generals. You can get full-on fantasy knights and castles and... I even believe that there was an old computer game called Battle Chess where the pieces came to life and had such personality and the king shot people with a gun. And all of this is really the genesis of board gaming. I believe that, to my recollection, the first game that has individual pawns that are actually different sculpts and models for each player is probably Monopoly. As
1: much as I hate Monopoly, I know... That I'm not alone in saying, yeah, I have my choice of pawn. Everybody has their pawn that's their favorite, and the best pawn. I mean, everyone knows that the best pawn is obviously the top hat. It's a weird way of saying shoe, but okay. And then, of course, there's always a guy who wants the race car, and, and somehow he always rolls doubles? He brings his own dice
0: to the game? Yeah, I don't think those two things are related, though. But, uh, <laughs> so why do games have these individual pieces? Why can't we just play Monopoly with just different colored pieces? And... The answer is fun. Yeah, it all goes back to the different
1: flavors of fun. And one of the flavors of fun is sense pleasure. And miniatures are visually appealing. They feel good to touch. They're entertaining as representations of what's going on. They spur the imagination and they make you feel more involved in the game just by existing. And when we talk about games we want to feel more involved in, there's very seldom a game I want
0: to feel more involved in than a role-playing game. When John and I decided to talk about miniatures, we really started talking about miniatures for role-playing games. And then partway through the discussion, we went... You know, we should probably mention all the really cool miniatures in board games. So let's let's talk about miniatures in RPGs. Why are miniatures in RPGs so important? Well, they give the players an amount of personal investment in both the game and their own character. When you purchase a miniature to represent your character, or modify
1: one that already exists, or... Uh, search for one that's just the ideal representation, that is an opportunity for you to not only find something that you can link in the real physical world to this imaginary character, but on top of that, it gives you a chance to explore the boundaries of the storytelling you can do with the visual medium. If you could find a character with a evocative pose, something that implies that you know, they're a dastardly rogue, or that they're a scoundrel with a heart of gold or something
0: you can do a lot with these sort of sculpted miniatures and it really is an art form when we start talking about a person's personal investment in role-playing games i often remember sitting and painting my miniature and going well i have this idea and this personality picked out for the character but as i start applying paint as i start adding colors as i start noticing details in the miniature i go well this character here has a very pronounced scar on their face. Does my character have a scar? Why does my character have a scar on his face? Th- this character here is very much a flashy miniature, but I'm I'm painting him in muted colors. Is he coming out of hiding and showing off surprise? Finding the exact perfect miniature to paint is a big deal. There are many different sites and companies to go to to find your personal miniature. Reaper Miniatures is probably the industry leader right now in individual miniatures for RPGs.
1: Owing in no small part to the release of their Bones line, which was a set of plastic resin miniatures that they've been pushing ever since their first major Kickstarter for them, and that's really been a game changer because it's made miniatures so much more affordable, and they're more solid and stable for light jostles and a bit of abuse than the old pewter miniatures that would bend or deform at the slightest bump and then often when you try to bend them back into place would just break, you know. These miniatures are a lot more stable in that respect and they've been able to have four successful Kickstarters for them. And even though I tend to decry the use of Kickstarter by established companies that are just trying to gauge the interest in products, I have to admit, I... I uh, bought all four Bones Miniatures Kickstarters because holy
0: crap, they're cool. In addition to finding individual character minis, the DM can go to Reaper and find their important enemy miniatures. They can find the giants. They can find the dragon turtles. There are lines of individual dragons. You can do uh, even a gelatinous cube. I have a gelatinous cube from one of my from one of the bones kickstarters that I backed, and it's cool because you assemble it together and then you put someone's mini inside of it, and you can kind of see through it. That's interesting and fun, and it adds an amount of immersion to the game that might otherwise be lost with lesser miniatures. My
1: first experience with miniatures as part of a role-playing game actually came from my Pathfinder campaign where I ran Kingmaker. I actually hadn't used miniatures in a game before then. I had used, like, small stand-up figures and things like that and pawns and chits of paper and stuff like that to represent characters. But this was the first time I had actually decided to get a real professional-grade miniature. It was for the villain of the first module in that adventure path, the Stag Lord... I actually found out that Reaper had a stag lord miniature meant to represent this specific character from this specific adventure. And I was very excited about that because prior to that, any time that I had ever tried to use anything resembling a miniature, it never really looked anything like the character. In this case... I was excited to be able to present them with this climactic villain that they had been building up to. So I carefully assembled and painted it and unleashed it on my players to the awe and excitement of everyone involved. Probably most of all me... And since then I've really loved the idea of using miniatures in my games in different uh, ways. There's kind of a sliding scale for the seriousness of miniatures in role-playing games. It starts at that far left side with like things that are basically like paper clips and pennies and stuff like that that you're using to represent characters. And then right above that you might have like generic tokens. Meeple, for example.
0: Or even just the little pawns from either a chess set or even your game of sorry that For some reason, you still have, even though that's kind of a game for eight-year-olds. And above that, you have pawns that are intended for games specifically, things
1: like the Pathfinder pawns, which represent the entire bestiary of Pathfinder. And right alongside that, there's kind of the pogs that are uh, flat disc-shaped representations of characters. 4th Edition did a great job of having an exceptional collection of pawns. I still use my 4th Edition pawns Today. Even though I haven't played 4th edition in years and really have no interest in bringing it up again, a lot of the DMing tools from that game were spectacular and the pawns
0: were one of the best of those. If you want to have custom pogs for your game, all you have to do is go online and find a picture that represents either the player's characters or the monsters that you need to use, print them out, and then cut out a little circle. Uh, John actually has a tool from a company called Aaliyah Tools that makes perfect cuts for pogs, puts them on magnetic bases, and gives you a good, solid, reusable pog that is as detailed as the best drawing you can find. Above that, there's actually the paper craft minis. I've seen people start all the way from the simple old fold-over, uh, fold-over pawns. Uh, you just fold them in half and kind of stand them up as like a bipod. I've seen some very detailed paper craft miniatures that while fragile, are probably some of the best paper folding, printing, and just detailed work I've seen in any papercraft model. Yeah, basically origami monsters.
1: There was uh, one in particular when we, when I was running Legacy of Fire with you guys. Do You remember the uh, tentacle monster with all of the different tentacles coming off of it? That is one of the coolest paper miniatures I've ever seen, and that's part of Paizo's official line of paper miniatures. I actually felt that the paper miniatures from that line degraded in quality toward the end as they became more realistic the drawings lost their cartoon qualities and as a result they didn't have that thing that made them stand out as paper miniatures anymore now they all just look like the representations of the character from the module and well, I guess that probably appeals to more people than it doesn't, me personally, I really liked the stylized cartoon versions.
0: And finally, above the, the papercraft versions, there are, of course, the sculpted plastic and pewter minis, the, the ones we've been mostly talking about this whole episode. If you need to find the, the exact best mini, we, we mentioned that you could go to Reaper's website and put in the exact details of the character and see their full line, but I have found that there is kind of a... It's kind of lacking for female miniatures, that are not either overly sexualized or in, um, I hate to say non-standard classes, but, uh, you, know, you know, like female barbarians. It's, it's hard to find a female barbarian that isn't just Red Sonia.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of reskinned Red Sonias, but there's not a lot of female barbarians with, like, great lion mane type capes and stuff like that
0: out there. You can go to Impact Miniatures, though, and find a great selection. I don't think that their quality is better or worse than Reaper's. I just think that they give you more options and more details than uh, what Reaper has alone. If you really need just that absolute, very specific character, if you need your halfling character who's wielding a long sword but also has a guitar on his back, uh, might also have a ritual book that he's reading from. You're not going to find that miniature, so you might need to make it. And there's a website called Hero Forge.
1: Well, Hero Forge is actually it's one of the cooler concepts that I've seen You go in there and you have basically a character creation screen like you might have in a video game, but you're making a miniature. Uh, The price point is at about, what, $20 for regular plastic? $20 for regular plastic, yep. And you can go all the way up to bronze, which is about $100 for a regular size miniature. I... I'm not sure what kind of miniature you're making where you want it to be bronze, but if you do, more power to you, you know? Like, enjoy the things you enjoy. But it actually has a pretty robust selection. I've been able to make miniatures that look like characters for my campaigns and things like that, and I've been pretty
0: pleased with the results... Just the other week, when John and I discussed putting out an episode about miniatures, I went on there and decided to order a miniature of myself and John and our music producer timmy skittles just to see if i could recreate people i actually know and represent them as minis on the blog i do believe that john will be posting pictures from the sales screen that i have and then at a later date we might even have just pictures of the miniatures themselves
1: yeah assembled and painted you know time permitting and if uh, everything goes according to plan but at the very least we can show you like the kind of thing that you can do with this service It actually does a really good job Beyond that, it's not that hard to modify miniatures if you want to make miniatures that resemble characters that you might not have good miniatures for. Um, I was able to find, for example, a noble-looking paladin miniature that had the wrong weapon for the character in question. Uh, It was a character my brother was running, and I was able to modify his greatsword into a flail, which is the weapon that that character appropriately uses. And to do that... Just found a character with a flail, I cut it off, I shaved down the part on the miniature, and I used some of that green goo that everybody's always talking about to cement it into place. And It actually looks completely natural. You wouldn't be able to tell that it was a modified mini at all. If I'm able to dig that out, I'll probably throw that up on there as well. But uh, don't be afraid to experiment with those things. Even as a beginner, I was able to do that sort of thing. It's not unapproachable. It's not some sort of magic. It's just something that you do. And once you try doing it, you get a feel for how difficult it is and what you're able to
0: accomplish with it. You don't need a individual customized mini for every monster, every boss, every single NPC in a game. I recently ran The Curse of Strahd, and the only fully painted miniature I had was the Vampire Count himself. Every other enemy was either fourth edition pawns or I actually have a bag of meeple that I got from the Game Crafter and I used them and went, okay, these yellow ones are whites, these blue ones are wolves, and this purple one right here, that's a raging barbarian. It's not necessarily important to have miniatures
1: for every important character. Really, what you should be asking yourself is what do I visually want to represent? What's going to look good? One thing that I remember from my childhood that was interesting to me is the original games Fallout and Fallout 2 for the PC... Both had a mention in their manual of characters with faces. And what they meant by that was that for the most part, the characters in it were just represented by text. If you talk to them, There would be text, and you'd be able to give responses, and they would give their responses in turn, and it will all be over text, and you would just have your character standing next to the miniature representation of that character. However, some characters had full faces that would appear on the screen with voice actors and animation, and the manual made a point of mentioning that... Characters that had faces were not necessarily more important, and characters that didn't have faces were not necessarily unimportant. What you needed to be aware of is that the design choice to give a character a name and a face was based entirely on how interesting it was to show the face and voice of that character. And in the same way... I'd like you all to think about that when you consider what characters you want to represent with miniatures in your game. Because the miniatures are going to be an opportunity to express some visual element of the game. If you have particularly grotesque monsters you're able to find good miniatures for, those might be cool to show your characters, even if there's another character that they might spend more time with or have more involvement with. A character with a particular look or just a character that you want to have a particularly imposing battlefield presence might work as a physical miniature. When I ran Legacy of Fire, again, I used the paper miniatures that were available through Paizo for almost every character, but the boss of the first module I actually got a physical miniature for because I thought it was going to give a good visual representation, not only... Of the character as a character, but also a chance to show the player characters this imposing battlefield form, uh, appearing in a distinct manner from all the other monsters they were fighting. So consider miniatures when you think about what enhances the games you play. Um, Consider them in the context not only of. the rpgs as we've discussed but in tabletop games uh, some tabletop games even have optional miniatures to enhance the game experience a great example of that is arkham horror which had optional miniatures you could purchase that replaced the little cardboard stand-ups and all of those things give us this brilliant aspect of visual art we can add to our game in a way that can make them more approachable, more interesting, and most of all, more fun. Because fun is what we really
0: want to get out of games. So let's see, what do we have up next? Hey John, it's almost the end of Season 2. Sure is! Can you believe we've been doing this for two years? I can't believe I've been doing anything for two years most of the time, so this is a particularly surprising one. So, for our season finale of Season 2, we're going to be doing six... Half size episodes, well, like 15 to 20 minute long episodes, where we're going through every single one of the modules in Paizo's Rise of the Rune Lords. Next year, the second edition of Pathfinder is coming out, and we've decided to take an in depth, heavy spoiler look at where it all began. All right, so
1: that's been our episode on miniatures. Thank you very much for listening. This has been Save vs. Rant. Painting is self-discovery. Every good artist paints what he is. Jackson Pollock.
0: Save vs. Rant is a tabletop Gamers Guild production. Your hosts are John and Jeremy, with music by Timmy Skittles. Save vs. Rant is recorded on dueling laptops in front of a silent and invisible studio audience. Visit us at saveversusrant.com or contact us on Facebook or Twitter at Save vs. Rant. We'd love to hear from you.